I think I don't, I don't know who's who hosts it now, but the last time I think I watched it, Terry Wogan was still hosting. So oh wow! I don't, <laughs> oh god, I don't know if that carbon dates me. Yes, I think it took. Yeah, I remember when Terry <laughs> Wogan used to do it. We're old enough that we remember Terry Wogan presenting Eurovision. So, oh, the man, the myth, the yeah. legend. Who did who did, who did win out? Sweden. They won it seven times, which is ridiculous. Considering, um, I mean, it's all rigged. It's yeah, all rigged. I mean, I know Abba, you know. <laughs> from sweden but i don't know how they keep winning it yeah. but um maybe it's maybe that's what's just they're they're born to they're raised to be eurovision winners they're they're all a bunch of dancing yes. queens young and free only 17 yeah. um <laughs> oh wow Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes on a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I'm joined once again by friend and fellow nerd, Toby. How are you, Toby? Hello! I'm very good. We're keeping that energy up high right now at the beginning, top of the podcast. Yep. Top of the energy. <laughs> ready to bring it down when we talk about the subject of the before the we descend into utter emotional distraught and <laughs> feelings after after speaking about what we're here to talk about and yep. we are here this week we're here to don our colorful spacesuits and step out into the emotional meteor swarm that is guardians of the galaxy volume three nice i like that i like that Thank you very much. I write. I, I work on these. I work hard on these. Um, <laughs> or I panic and just write them. <laughs> I know the list, Listeners can decide. Um, but before we start the mixtape on that particular bag of feelings, we start, of course, as always, with our nerd news section. So we have a few bits of nerd news to get through before we speak about the latest Guardians film. So first of all, we go to DC. The new DCU, James Gunn's DCU. So we are tying it together slightly yeah. with our nerd news. Um, there are the rumored contenders who are apparently in the line to be cast in James Gunn's upcoming Superman legacy have been put online. So there's obviously Ooh. this casting rumors for both Clark Kent slash Superman and also ones for Lois Lane. So in the running for the eponymous hero, we have Nicholas Holt. David Cornsweet, Jacob Lordy, and Andrew Richardson all in the mix to play Clark Kent or, or Kal-El. Um, obviously, this is all conjecture at this minute. James yep. Gunn has tweeted, neither confirming nor denying, but saying that he basically will neither confirm nor deny yeah. these rivers. So we're none the wiser. Thanks, James. Um, appreciate it. Um, but, you know, good choices. You know, Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Holt was leading candidate to play Batman before Pat. Robert Pattinson got the job. Well, so. I, 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 not to to mix it up a little bit, but I think Nicholas Holt was going for Lex Luthor. Oh, he could do that. He yeah, could. I think I think he he's he's an interesting one because we all saw the menu. Yeah, and he, he was a piece of shit. In he that. can play a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, and I I think if he channels that, and he's the sort of younger douchebaggy uh, Lex Luthor that I could get behind more so than what we got with um snyder's version really just keep me away from him completely he bugs the hell out of me 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't Agreed. need none of that. Um, Rachel Brosnan, I really liked her in Marvelous Miss Maisie. Yeah, um, in the running to play Lois Lane. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's got some legs there. I think she's she's got a great deal of charisma, and I think she could really bring that Lois Lane high energy sort of sassy. Yeah, that's what you need. You need you need a you need someone who's not a damsel in distress. You need someone yeah. who can be a bit strong, a bit confident, but um, willing to do their own. Have their own, I guess, uh, through line story wise. Yeah. You know, I, I always envision sort of the the more so the real um, Carrie Fisher, to be honest, is sort of that channeling that lowest oh, lane. Oh, yeah, 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 very you Carrie Fisher esque attitude. You need, yeah. I guess, no bullshit, no, um, no, like I say, no damsel in distress, no being like second fiddle. You know, you are a strong uh, presence in the yeah. narrative as anyone else. You also have some other. Good choices in here. You've got Emma Mackey from Sex Education, who is doing really well at the minute. She's in a lot of stuff. And obviously yeah. Samara Weaving, who has been in Ready or yeah. Not and Scream yeah. and tons of other brilliant actresses. So, you know, if any of these are true, pretty good. And then yeah. obviously back on the Clark Kent side, you've got Jacob Lordy from Pearl. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, sorry, not from Pearl, from Euphoria. And David Cornswet from Pearl, you know. Yep. So, I mean, chances are it's going to be none of these people because that's how, <laughs> that's how these things work. But, you know, yeah. we can only go with the rumors we have, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, David Cornsweet um, definitely looks the part. I haven't seen enough of him in roles to really sort of see if he can channel true, that. True, true. Uh, Nicholas Holt, I can kind of get behind. It's I'll pro- probably take me a little bit of time to adjust to mm, get around mm-hmm, it. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know what it is, but Lex Luthor, I always envision slightly older yeah uh, the the only person i can sort of see as a younger lex luther is michael rosenbaum from smallville because he was one of the only good parts of that show yeah 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 he, yeah. he was brilliant um but uh yeah i i think rachel brosnan is probably the one i'm most behind at the moment mm-hmm. he's a really yeah. inspired casting yeah i i, I guess i, I as much as I love Nicholas Holt, and I think he, he, I think as a Lex Luthor, he'd be fantastic. I would like to see someone potentially not so well known yeah. as you know, give someone a chance to make it their own. Because if you bring someone in who's obviously an established name, um, obviously Corin Sweat, Elordi, and Richardson, who are on the running, have their credits and are very good actors. Yeah, but obviously Nicholas Holt is Nicholas Holt. Everyone knows who he is. Like, you know, he's been an X Men. He's been in tons of films and it'd be nice to have someone kind of come in and give a fresh feeling that isn't coming with a lot of um, expectation, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of just him as an actor's baggage really, isn't it? You know, he's, he's bringing all his past roles and I guess mm-hmm. it's the same with every actor, but uh, he's, you I guess go, he's oh, sort of been in a bit of a spin. from X-Men. Right? Yeah. And that's kind that's, that's sort of really your first, or whenever I see him, I still see about a boy. Yeah, of course. You know that, uh, or or whatever or his characters from Skins and things Skins like that. Skins yeah. as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, Robert Pattinson was the same. He was, yeah, like, true, he's true, a true, very true. well-established name. You know, a, ter- a terrible franchise behind him, but he was, yeah. <laughs> he was a well-established name. He's and dug we, his way out from that. And we set and we've we've admitted our our wrongs before oh, and, said, yeah. and wrote him off, but we were wrong about him. So look, Nicholas Holt's a fantastic actor. I'm sure he could do it. It would just yeah. be nice to see you know a fresh face be the face of such an iconic character. Yeah, you know, give them a chance to do it. Um, but I got to say, James Gunn seems to. I mean. 
we'll talk about it more so later, but he definitely nails his casting. Uh, yes, he does. He does. So I'm, I think whoever he picks, he'll, he'll pick the right one. I'm going to bet it's none of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably why he hasn't confirmed nor denied. Yeah. Somehow he'll make someone work that we think, no, that will never work. And go, oh yeah, actually James Gunn. Yeah. Right. Yes. Sorry. yeah inspired casting. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of casting, moving on to Nerd News Part 2, we are talking about Willem Dafoe, legend that he is, joining Beetlejuice 2, legend of a film that it is. So he now joins Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, Jenna Ortega, Justin Theroux, and Monica Bellucci in the sequel to Beetlejuice. I mean, the cast is pretty good already. You're just kind of showing off now. You know, if you'd got, did you say Helen and Bottom Carter? No, she's not in this one. So you've got no, Catherine, was, Catherine O'Hara from uh, okay. Home Alone, Schitt's Creek, yeah, tons yeah, yeah. of stuff. As, as, yeah, well, she she was in the first one, wasn't she? She um, was. But, you know, you chuck Helen and Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp in here and you've literally got the Tim Burton cocktail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's all these heavy hitters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. And Jenna Ortega's obviously got a new relationship with him since Wednesday. And yeah, that, 100%. Despite the fact, kind of feeling a bit indifferent to it, originally when it was announced having watched it really enjoyed it wouldn't say Wednesday, the best Wednesday thing was great Wednesday it, was yeah great. it was really it was really enjoyable and like so cliche Tim Burton it was it was it avoided a lot of the I guess the YA kind of TV series tropes that you would normally yeah. see on certain things yeah um, don't want to pick on them but Riverdale I'm looking at you um <laughs> I, I, don't get me wrong decent shows but they are of a certain ilk um, whereas I feel like Wednesday managed to sidestep that, and I think a lot of that is down to her performance and yeah, the, the, I guess the creative team around that. Um, yeah, although there's a lot of writers on strike that blame General. I was, was so. going <laughs> to say that she, we were thinking the same mind. She's she's gotten a little flack because of that, hasn't she? Really? Yeah. So, um, but then she's young. It's a few silly lines that she said in interviews where she's probably nervous or just doesn't really know what the hell she's talking about. And then suddenly she's got a whole industry acting against her. Yeah. A bit, true. A bit overblown really. Like, and I'm sure she did have creative input into the whole thing. And I like that actors get that. Cause I think actors who live in the body of certain characters need to have that. But yeah, you yeah. know, she, she misspoke, I guess is how yeah. we say it. I mean, a lot she, of the writers would think, she's think certainly not heard the last of it either. No, no. Um, but I think she'll be okay. You know, she's yeah. a very, very talented uh, young woman. And amongst a very talented cast, obviously Michael Keaton, legend. Yeah. He's having, right. he, he seems to have this ebb and flow of comebacks where <laughs> just when you think he's sort of on his way out again, he then just gets this absolute banger of a casting come back in again. And then you're like, oh, yes, Michael Keaton's back in the foray. I mean, talk about playing two of your most iconic roles in over two years. I mean, yeah. Coming back for Batman and Beetlejuice. I mean, yeah. you've got to come back. Come back hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely dabbling with the, the superheroes, isn't he? And uh, sort of the, the more familiar territory. But good luck to him. I yeah. mean, I love, my, I love Michael Keaton. Yeah, I know. And we love Willem Dafoe. You know, we do. Yeah, well, I was going to say we totally missed the point of the conversation. I, I, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure as to the actual nature of his role in the film. No. Um, It'll probably be some creepy character. That he, I'm he hoping it's those, a Beetlejuice-esque type character. Maybe they'll expand yeah. the world of, of his world a bit more. And Willem Dafoe would definitely fit in that kind of thing. And if I would imagine he's going to be an antagonist, isn't he? I would have thought so. I mean, yeah. it's, it's his bread and butter, right? So, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, something I'm not necessarily not looking forward to, but I haven't 
I'm going to be honest, no interest in. Is the, is another Fast and Furious film has been oh. kind of hinted at. It's not yeah. that I don't have interest. I've not. I've only seen four of them. Oh no! I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you which of the. I think I've seen about three or four. I couldn't tell you which ones they are. I know it had the Rock in. I know one of them had Gal Gadot in, and I think I saw one of the more recent ones. I don't know. They all blend together. So obviously we are very well versed. Yeah, big Fast and Furious fans. <laughs> yes, but I, I've watched the first four. I, I will. I, it's one of those things I will watch, but I'm in no rush to get round to watching it. You know, mm. <laughs> um, from what I from what I understand, they're very fun. You know, escapism. You know, switch your brain off for two hours and enjoy. I have a friend, Oliver East. If you're listening, he loves them like with a passion, ridiculously so. And he <laughs> get out of here, Oliver, you crazy cat. And he's and he he's he's just like, but they drive cars off like buildings. I'm like, yeah, and <laughs> and but, somehow those cars survive. But he's like, but you like the Sharknado films. I'm like, you got a point there. So you know, yeah, I true, can. True, true, I, true, I, true. I like ridiculousness as well. You know, yeah. I love. I mean, we 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 chatted for two hours about Cocaine Bear for God's sake. So I know. I hear nothing wrong about that statement. Maybe that, that was a, that's I, I, a great film. Great film. Great film. Go see Cocaine Bear if you can. Um. But I I think we could potentially do this. We could watch the Fast and Furious films and share our thoughts on them. Maybe we could do them one at a time and go, what do we think? <laughs> are we watching, think what, you say we have to watch all 10 Fast and Furious films. I might have to hand in my resignation to the, <laughs> to, to the Phantom Zone podcast. I don't know if I can watch 10 films, all of those movies. I might end up getting uh more depressed than i am after watching guardians <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know totally different reasons though yeah i think um it, it's a thought we'll put it on the back burner <laughs> right um you know if we're, if we're stuck for an episode <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the fast, and we, fast we, it, should, it should be a watch along we should do a 10 hour watch along with or not 10 hours, or however many hours it's going to take to watch all the Fast and Furious movies. I, I think we should do, we'll watch one, record, immediately after, <laughs> with alcohol. Just slowly <laughs> listen to our decline as we record all of them. Yeah, and just like, just two hours of us sighing. Going, yeah, you, you get to 10 and you're in the mouth of madness, and we just, we don't know what's going on anymore. Well, apparently there's going to be a 12th one. According to Vin Diesel, so you know, apparently he's going to round off a trilogy, and I don't, I'm not sure he knows how trilogies work. Yeah. <laughs> Does he just separate them three by three, and he's like, "You're a trilogy, you're a trilogy." Yeah, so that he's got what a quad trilogy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, you know, if you if you like that kind of thing, more power to you. You know, the, the, as far as I'm aware, they're very entertaining, and at some point, I probably will watch them. Um, so, so it's going to be a twelfth one. I'm happy for the people who love that franchise because I'm happy that people like things. So good for yeah. them. Yeah, and in credit to them, they do seem to bring in some heavy-hitting actors. You know, Brie Larson's in this new one. True. Jason Momoa. You know, they, they I couldn't tell you any more than that. Oh, um, Daniel um, Milquois from uh, uh, oh, Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy is also yes. in it as well. So, yes, yes. You know, very topical actors uh, are sort of getting... And Helen Mirren, they got a whole bevy in this one, and Charlize Theron is back. You know, so yeah, loads of yeah. them. Yeah, they do have they do have good actors. People want to be in these films, so you know, they're they're, they're paying well or doing something right or both. So you know, um, <laughs> Vin, Vin, Diesel, Vin Diesel's got all of their like pets or something hostage. Yeah, exactly. He's got so much dirt on these people. Yeah. <laughs> 
I guess it must be fun to drive in a car that's flipping over 20 times and landing on its wheels or, you know, being part of these crazy things. So, you know. Yeah, true, so, true, true, so, true. Um, I like I, Transformers. So what the hell am I supposed right, to be talking so, about? Yeah, they're going to make a 12 one, you know, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything about there being too many because we're about to talk about film of which in a franchise where there's been over 30. Yeah, true. So, you know, people in glass houses and all that. Um, but we are going to talk about Guardians, but before we talk about the film itself, we just want to make a mention on our last bit of nerd news that in its second weekend, Guardians has already passed half a billion at the box office, which, to put that into context, means it has already surpassed the entire lifetime gross of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Black Widow. So, it's doing well. Yeah, yeah. For for a third entry as well, in a... A, well, I wouldn't say struggling because Marvel never struggles, but in terms of critical a, a reception, wane, a waning, a waning. Yes, franchise. that's a better better term. But yeah, yes. definitely in a waning. It's it's nice to see a little bit of positivity coming back towards the Marvel way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's obviously been it's been quite well received. There have been some slightly more lukewarm reviews which we'll get into later yeah. um but from what i gather from fans and friends and people i've seen it don't know about you but people are enjoying it people like it um like you say for a third film in the franchise it's a it's a very strong indicator of what this film can do or is about i guess um so yeah i guess that's a very good way to segue into our main discussion which yes. is the film itself so Back in 2014, a certain Star-Lord danced his way into the MCU, bringing the rest of what would become the Guardians of the Galaxy with him. At the time, Guardians was, to be fair, kind of a big swing and a gamble for Marvel, Kevin Feige and company. Um, But thanks to the safe hands of the aforementioned James Gunn and some great jokes and tunes along the way, somehow a film that had a tree and a talking raccoon became one of the highlights in the MCU canon Um, it then smashed it again with volume 2 in 2017 which I always thought was better than the first one and that was a high bar Mm. and now in the latest MCU release they bring us a film which at one point looked like we we might not get at all (laughs) (laughs) at some point which again we'll get into later but we do have it, it's here we have the end of the trilogy with volume 3 so my friend Let's do it. Let's go full kaiju and start. And start. <laughs> oh, nice reference. What I'm going to call another therapy session. We have a lot of these on this podcast, oh, and this man. one, this one's going to be deep. This one's going to be emotional, uh, as the kids say, because um, there's been a lot to process in this film. Yeah. So I'm not going to. I'm going to start not just by asking you what you thought of the film first of all, which we always do, of course. But how did it fit in with your expectations of how this was going to play out and on a scale of one to ten, how emotionally unprepared were you for it? <laughs> oh well, I'd like to say that I was prepared on both fronts, but I really wasn't. You know, no, no. I think in terms of did the film hit the beats that I was expecting it to? Yes, yes. But in all the positive ways, like I saw parts coming, and they were welcome. Um, they they weren't like oh I saw that coming and it was the bits that you were hoping would happen did happen yeah there were there were plenty of twists and and turns that that kept me guessing um, from an emotional standpoint I was I think as we said in our last podcast talking about this I think we were expecting it to be sad. 
but Jesus Christ, did I not expect to be yeah. so emotionally broken by a movie. Yeah. Yes, I it, agree. It's been over a week since I've seen it. It's been one so day. I, I, <laughs> I, one I, day. I, can't, I can't imagine how you're processing it, but it's been over a week. And I don't know if I'm worse now than I was then, but I have since then. I cried in the cinema, and I'm not particularly prone to crying in cinemas. I'm not that big of a crier. I'm certainly not a big crier in cinemas. I, I suck up those manly tears. <laughs> but I'm very glad I didn't want to see it in 3D, but I didn't realize the film I went to see it, uh, the cinema I went to see it at was showing 3D. But I'm very glad because they were two shields to hide these big old manly tears. <laughs> um, but I've, I, I've cried just thinking about it several times since. It is just... I think Kate summed it up the best as we were leaving. She was like, that's the best film I never want to see again. Now, I don't know if I necessarily feel as strongly as that because I do want to see it again, but I need, I need like breaks. I need, <laughs> I need to build myself up to it. It it was just absolutely heart-wrenching. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, first of all, what you were saying about, I guess, the, the beats and the moments and the, I guess, the... The, the expectations of the film in terms of how it would structure itself and how it would play out. I guess, obviously, James Gunn has a style and James Gunn has reflected that style, not only yeah. in his two Guardians films, but also his other films, The Suicide Squad, for example. Um, you're going to get jokes, you're going to get moments of levity, moments of sadness, moment, uh, obviously interspersed with all the brilliant tunes he manages to weave in. I don't know how yeah. he picks his songs, but he's very good at it. Um, obviously, Marvel has its formula. James Gunn has his, has his formula within that, I guess, and there are certain things, certain lack of a better term, tropes that you would expect that are present, and I yep. think some of the more lukewarm reviews I've read about it really hone in on that and criticize it and go, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know? So, you know, but you go into a Guardians film directed by James Gunn and you complain that he gave you a Guardians film directed by James Gunn, because yeah. surely that's what you want, right? Yeah, I think, but, it, yeah, sorry, you go ahead. But I was, I was just going to say, what he then did was punch me in the face <laughs> emotionally so many times for this. My Repeatedly. Heart, my, heart, my heart broke a yeah. times for this film. And we'll get into the actual moments at some point. And I agree with Kate to a degree. It's like, I am in no rush to rush back and see this film. Um, see, I, 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 maybe it's, it's part of my mindset, but I kind of in, like, in reveled the misery because oh, it's, yeah. it's those things that I just keep mulling over, and I'm like, "Geez, it is." It's those, so it's, like, it's those things that make you feel. Remember, oh, I am human. I do. Feel yeah, human. yeah. Maybe it is that I, I'm just too much of a granite lump. That when when the emotional things are, are allowed, you're, you're allowed to feel. And this, I think, that's kind of that James Gunn has always kind of celebrated is that you can have these bombastic, crazy, wild rides with different nutcase characters like rocket raccoon and group the tree but then and drax the destroyers but then you can have these wild rides and crazy sort of highs and then you just bring them back down with character development and just huge and emotional weights because the way i've seen the guardians films and i because i've been trying to reflect because i was thinking back on the second ones and i've i've watched i've not sat down and watched all the first two together um Mm. But I, I've watched a lot of the clips and things, particularly sort of more of the the heartfelt moments. And I think over these three films is you really get a sense of the the family unit journey because the first one's all about them sort of forming together the bond. Mm-hmm. The second one 
is them finding their footing as this established family. And then the third one is very much this family trying to deal with the overall traumas that they've experienced. Yeah. And eventually come over with the catharsis at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's so many characters to juggle. And I, I really think in this one, probably the second one had a few. I, 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 it's actually nice and refreshing to hear you say the second one was your favorite. I don't know. I'd probably say they're on par for me for yeah, each other because I, I really I, do like the second one, particularly for Yondu's scenes with Rocket and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think from I guess if you said to me, "Oh no, I, I prefer the first one," I'm not going to argue with you. They're both fantastic. They're films, both you know? great movies. Yeah. I just think. For me, I, I always say the clincher is the Yondu, the end scene with Yondu's funeral, um, with the yeah. song Father and Son, which is a very emotional song for me because it reminds me um, of the relationship I have with my dad and what would happen if you know I ever lost that father figure. It kind of brings all those emotions up inside me. So it's always it's got a very emotional place in my heart. Yeah, that film, and I think there's a there's a there's a lot to love in that film, but there's also a lot to love in the first film as well. Yeah. So you know, there's high bar already. Um, and you're right. This the, the the each film has its own unique setting point, and I think what we'll end up probably, I guess, coming to at the end of this review or discussion is that the third one kind of caps off a really well-rounded story that clearly has yeah. been fought out from the beginning. Yeah. So and that, that, I think Gunn. that I mean, that's also a testament and credit to James Gunn, but it's also a pure and true example of why you should allow. Um, creators to cultivate their own worlds within these franchises. If you're mm-hmm. going to have someone, or if you're going to make three films, like a trilogy, for example, get get the same creators to yeah. run with that trilogy. Because I, I think, you know, we were talking about the the difficulties of James Gunn actually making this movie. Correct. It, it, I just don't think we would have been having this same conversation if it was another director uh, no. making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Because it... it these are as much as James. I mean, whilst they're Marvel characters, this is as much James Gunn's creation because they're all very, not very, but quite radically different from their um, comic incarnations. Yeah. So obviously, anyone who doesn't know, obviously, we're alluding to the fact that in 2018, James Gunn was fired by Disney for, um, I guess, a series of tweets he made years ago, which were, to be fair, provocative and probably in bad taste. Um, but you know, as was his approach to things when he was younger, shock uh, value. shock value, you know, trying to provoke, trying to, you know, do these things, it's things, you know, we won't repeat on this podcast and things I'm sure he does, he regrets and has said he regrets doing at the time. Um, but we're taken and, uh, by let's face it, right wing media personalities and forced out into the open and basically, I don't want to say force Disney's hand because they obviously can do what they want. They're Disney. Yeah. But they basically felt the need to sever ties with James Gunn. It was a very reactionary approach. It was a very gut reactionary approach. It was like day one, he, these things came out day two, he was gone. And then um, obviously then the whole, I guess, future of guardians, because this film had been confirmed, but nothing had started. Um, Obviously in the sit back of, uh, volume two which was a huge success again and yep. we were like well what's guardians with james gunn and thankfully everyone else in guardians said the same thing so you've dave batista zoe saldana even chris pratt they all went and basically yeah. said we're not doing it 
Dave Batista more vocally than others, yeah. you know. I gotta say, you gotta give credit to Dave Batista. He doesn't mince his world. He's yeah. just like, fuck this, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Chris Chris Pratt's like, yeah, you know, we we'll, we'll negotiate and we'll do yeah. it. So I still like, like my career. Yeah, he's just like, no, I'm not doing it. Sorry, out. Um, which you know, and it worked because Disney credit to him. Yeah. Well, what partly that, partly Disney, probably you know. Came around, had a had a, a cup of tea and settled down. <laughs> like, right, okay, you know, let's not maybe blow a billion dollar franchise out of the water just yet. And um, thankfully, he came back. And you're yeah. right, we wouldn't be having this conversation if that hadn't happened because this is James Gunn's trilogy as much yeah. as it's an MCU film. It's James Gunn's three films and his trilogy. And he has clearly thought about it from start to finish. And what you get now is and we'll talk about it how it fits into the larger mcu canon later is a film that has bucked the recent trend of marvel films not hitting the standards we expect and that is because of consistency like you said i think yeah yeah i mean i you probably summarized better than what i was trying to allude to that definitely um his execution and just the the through line with this movie and the trilogy has just been a, a clear indication of how the consistency, the characters that you create, allow them to gestate and have arcs and have development and evolve from film to film. It just is so contrasted against the current MCU where you've got characters that have been established that seem to be taking steps back or just completely devolving like in Thor's case um or even just from project to project so i think even elizabeth olsen stated that you know between dr strange mouth of um multiverse of madness, multiverse of madness yeah and um wandavision the the show or the creators of uh, the writers for multiverse of madness hadn't seen wandavision it's crazy it's crazy yeah and it's like well you're writing the character same character and then the storylines have a huge overlap and they repeat the same storyline just from different approaches. And WandaVision was, you know, say what you will about it. It was more successful in terms of dealing with her grief than Multiverse of Madness that just made her a bad guy for no say, uh, for no reason. Yeah, she became quintessential bad guy who was just pissed off and decided to destroy everything, which, you know, is not it's interesting. Ca- counter to the character that we'd been with for the past however many movies. Yeah. But then you get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and you've got little nuggets of payoff because there's so many little throwaway lines in Volume 1 and 2 that now when you put into context, particularly from Rocket, now you put into context his past... Mm-hmm. just how much more weight they add yeah and just as a as a unit these three just the elevate they elevate each of the movies that precede them yeah exactly and i guess we'll get we'll we'll now i guess go into the the story of this film itself but the nuggets of this story are laid out in the first two films to give you much better appreciation for who rocket is once you've seen this one yeah. because obviously the first two films rocket is <laughs> he comes across as just, you know, an arrogant arsehole who thinks he knows better than everyone else, doesn't care, doesn't have any feelings. But having gone through this now, my appreciation for Rocket and to go back and rewatch the other two films is now would give you a completely fresh perspective on how he's dealing with what he goes through, which in this film, essentially, 
which is basically an animal rights message throughout, is horrendous. He's from, obviously, it it flashes back and forward between present and um, his past and the abuse, the, the torture, the pain he goes through to be turned into who he is, who we know him as, yeah. is, oh, it's heart, it's heart-wrenching. Even thinking yeah. about it now is making me well up. And I said to my wife when I came home, because she's, and I'm the same, anything that has to do with animals or cruelty or anything in a film I is a very much a trigger for me. And I said to her, I was like, you would not be ready for this film. Yeah. You need yeah. to, it, it, I'm not saying the film should come with a trigger warning, but it, it's, it's provoking if you are, yeah. <laughs> it's well, very and, provoking. Well, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I, one of my work colleagues, they, they spoke to me the day after and they were saying how excited they were to see it. And uh, they were planning on taking their daughter with me, mm. uh, with them. Sorry. <laughs> no, not creepy. I wasn't taking their daughter to the cinema. Um, but they were saying, I'm going to take my, my little girl to the cinema. And I was like, I think you might want to go see this before you take her. And I, I stand to that. I wouldn't want to take a young kid to see, because you see the other two, a lot of the jokes and sort of the darker bits can kind of go over their head. Yeah. But yeah. this one, it's, it's in your face from mm. the minute. It's, and it, yeah. it's so harrowing. Well, this, and it, yeah, like you say, I mean, after I saw the film, Kate and I, we just had to go home and hug our dog because <laughs> we, we just saw those little brown eyes of Rocket and his his mates, the Batch eighty nine, who Did, I guess we'll yeah. go into a little bit yeah, yeah. more. And mm-hmm. you just, oh, your heart breaks. So I just I had to give my little boy a hug because yeah, I just felt so I mean, sad. I mean. Chewie is imminently huggable at the best times, so I can yes. only imagine how, how much worse it was when you uh, when oh, you saw it. Oh, it's awful! But um, you're you're absolutely right. So obviously, you saw this with Kate, so um, yeah. you had you had an emotional pillar there. Yeah, I hope. Um, there I, was a lot. There was a lot of crying in the cinema, not I, just from the R two seats. Yeah, I went. I went on my own. Um, uh, I don't know how. I I and you know I I. Like we we said, and we said in previous episodes, but we were talking about the trailers and our expectations for this film. You know, I expected it to be sad. I expected there to be moments where yeah. I would feel emotionally vulnerable. But I was sitting in a there was a row of two seats, so I was sitting in the two seats where I like to sit. You know, just two seats. So, um, but across the aisle from me were two young children who must have been about eight or nine. Yeah, and uh, it got to some of the moments. Uh, for example, the moment with Rocket's friends and the yeah. high evolutionary, where oh, the yeah. kid was, li- the kids were literally sitting forward with their hand facing their hands on their knees, just and I could see them physically crying. I could see the water reflecting in their eyes. It was reflecting in my eyes. I was just, yeah. and I, I, I wanted to go over and just go, it's okay, <laughs> because that. <laughs> I don't think I would. I'd have been like, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's so horrible. I was like, if it wasn't socially inappropriate, I would say something to you. But, <laughs> um, but it's, I could see, I was like, this is very, this is a lot for an adult, let alone yeah. a child of, this is a 12A film. And yeah. we'll get into some of the language as well later on, which, you know, yeah. pushes the boundaries. But um, th- there's obviously, I'm guessing for those who haven't seen the film, um, we haven't really spoiled anything yet. So this is your spoiler warning. Yeah. Um, but that scene where obviously Rocket plans his escape and you're expecting that moment of triumph because that's what happens in these Marvel films. You know, he gets out, uh, you know, he might not, it might not necessarily go to plan, but 
is so brutal. His friends are massacred in front yeah. of him. And part of it is his fault because of the firing of the guns and, you know, the last teeths and floor. Yeah. Um, oh, those names broke me as well, even though we're just naming themselves. I know. Oh, man. I know. And then, well, I think for, from if we're going into spoiler territory, I think the very first moment that little baby rocket was picked out of the bunch yeah at the opening i i felt this imminent dread yeah that this is not going to be an easy ride yeah and so you get from that moment and then the subsequent scene where he's just first been put in the cage you know he's he's basically been scalped he's got all these little cybernetics and they do not shy away from how brutal like there's a scene where he's almost been degloved to put robotics into his hand and they really don't shy away from the brutality of it and i think peter has said that this is a like a a front runner for one of the best representations of animal cruelty and i think you've also stated that as well Mm. and it really is because you just can't help but empathize with them and just the the pure rawness of this film it's just intense and i'm a 30 something year old and i'm still reeling from what i've seen and mm. just to 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 try and process as a, this as a child regarding what amounts to a fabricated animated raccoon and a rabbit and a otter and a walrus just the the emotional feelings that I've got now, it's still hard to process. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when we first saw Bambi or Lion King? <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, and you think, God, that was traumatic. And you think, oh, kids don't really have that nowadays. Now they do. <laughs> yeah. This, 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 is, this is no easy watch for no. any, any age. No. And I, I'm finding it very difficult to think of a film, like a mainstream film like this, that has resonated so emotionally with me. Like there's been some, there's been other sort of, um, sort of more indie films that have been emotional and they've they've hit you in the feels like Banshees of Inisherin, and you know, but yeah. for totally different ways. And I think it elevates it, and and I, I really think it. <laughs> there's a little bit of um, emotional manipulation because they they, it's very deliberate with its with its sadness and the scene that you were depicting where. Um, the high evolutionary comes after Rocket tries to save his friends, mm-hmm. and he he initially kills Lila. Yeah, and it's just Rocket. The first thing he does is just start screaming, and it's not a like a no or something very it's just a, thematic. It's a wail. It it's just a primal childlike wail, and that hits so much harder and rawer. And then just the absolute ferocity that little rocket goes for the high evolutionary. It's mm. just so earned, but it's so dark. So visceral, that scene. So it's, visceral. And I'm, you don't see really anything. It's the implication is I, far worse than whatever yeah. you see. And that's a lot of the same with the um the 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 animal torture. Like it's it's very visceral in what it shows, but at the same time, the stuff that you it, that it implies is far worse because you if you think what you've seen is bad it can only be worse in your mind mm-hmm. and it oh, it's just it's raw and it, it it tugs on all those nerve endings yeah i can pinpoint that well as the yeah. moment when 
the 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 water steel in my eyes broke and you know that you know that um you know the moment in the simpsons where ralph's heart breaks and yeah that, that's that was me that's the moment i could yeah. feel it going oh my god i'm broken. yeah this is this is and, and it's, it I, doesn't let up from there i here, feel here's a question is yeah. this the heaviest film in the mcu it feels without like a shadow be, of a doubt yeah you know thanos can snap away half of existence but i feel more for those three animals that died in rocket than i did in anything in endgame oh, you know that was floor just running around yeah i know oh man the whole thing is just like oh let's make it stop make it stop like i've yeah. you know things like you know clockwork orange haven't made me feel this bad jesus no. you know no. it's like how's it oh and yeah. this is why i say like it, it is a fantastic film but it it really does hit you in all the the emotional sore points and it, it i i i really do i whilst it may not necessarily need a trigger warning i do think it would be advised to let kid uh, f- like families know that this is a heavy film I, for I, kids. I would agree i would recommend to anyone who who's going to see it if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this i'm um, sorry for the spoilers but um yeah. <laughs> oh so or, or if you're recommending it to friends I'm sure they I'm sure your listeners already agree, but this is something I would definitely say be prepared because yeah. this is this is and like I say, probably the heaviest one in the MCU. Yeah. Or I even so. if you're in a, an emotional state, you know, if if you're feeling a little bit low, this might like it has a happy ending. Let, let, I mean, let's let's culminate with that. Let's not hit the doom and gloom. There is a happy ending, but even the happy ending is bittersweet. The happy ending comes at a price. A high cost. Yeah. yeah. So if you're feeling a little bit low or you're feeling a little bit vulnerable, maybe watch the first two again before, <laughs> before you take the plunge and watch this. Because yeah. it, 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 if it doesn't break you, then you're the hardest person yeah. in the world. And I think, I think some of the mixed reviews we've seen, or at least a couple I read, what I've inferred from their review is that while they didn't like it, I think it's because they maybe weren't ready for it to hit yeah. them like they did, and they weren't yeah. they were expecting your typical happy go lucky Marvel slash Guardians film, and this is not that. This no. is not one and two. This is its own thing. It has a lot of the stuff you love from one and two, but it's its own animal at the end of the day. Pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a good pun. <laughs> um, unintended. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's yeah. Be prepared is all we'll say. Um, but what it does do is it does really good service to Rocket as a character. He's no, yeah. he's not just this crazy raccoon, no. That you know, and he, he's had substance before. Obviously, he's not uh, two dimensional. He's never been two dimensional. No. Good God, do you? And everyone, everyone gets a go here. Everyone yeah. gets a, a full yeah. outing. I feel. But I, I think probably other than Rocket, I'd say the other real standout character for me was actually Nebula. Yes, Nebula's I arc for three films has really. She's been had such good development. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. pro- if if anyone kind of stayed the same, but with like a little bit of a resolution at the end, was probably Drax for this one. He yeah. was very Drax throughout, and then it was only sort of in the final sort of few scenes that he kind of came around. Yeah. Um, but that that was almost the other characters elevating his role in the in the in the film and the franchise. Yeah, I feel like with Drax, what was accomplished at the end of this film was their acceptance of him as who he yeah. is, rather than berating him for who he is. Because obviously, there's that great scene with Nebula and Mantis and Drax, where they're basically calling each other out on their bullshit. 
Yeah. And Nebula, who's very rough around the edges, calling out Mantis for, in her opinion, being useless. And then yeah. that funny, uh, brilliant joke where she's basically calling Drax stupid to his face. Yeah. But, she loves him, but she loves him for it. And I guess what this film achieves is, well, the first two films are about them establishing this family as them. This film's really about acceptance. Yeah, and it's th- dealing with that trauma and accepting each of them for what they were. Warts and all, they are yeah. imperfect, but they love each other because of that. Yeah. And Nebula, you're absolutely right. I've, Nebula's arc throughout, not just these films, but obviously in some of the other ones where she's been, obviously, she's, you know, Thanos' just daughter. Thanos tortured, is, yeah, tortured daughter. Room, yeah. And, you know, she she can empathize with Rocket to a degree, yeah. which helps. Um, But her what, arc... What's something, what something is, was quite interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, but one thing I thought was quite nice was, was this. Whilst it, it was very much a, um, a central telling of the first two movies and bringing those character developments, but it also took the positives from, say, Endgame and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, Rocket and Nebula, why I guess they were even closer in the beginning of Volume Three, is they were the only two Guardians for five years during the snap. Yeah, because they they were there to help bring everything back, you know. Yeah. They, so th- those two having that closeness, I guess. Sense. Also, now with Nebula, she even knows that there's even more to bring the two of them together because they've had such similar, different but very similar evolutions of their character mm. and just total cruelty. So neither of the two can empathize with anyone else, but them more than, well, more than anyone else. Cause they've just been through so much horrible, heinous stuff. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And going forward as a relationship, it'd be really interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. Now that they, I guess, you know, have so much in common and yeah. so much they can relate to each other on. Um, I feel like, yeah, you've got all that stuff previously and all the stuff going forward. Um, very int- the character development, I think, across all the cast, um, even Drax to an extent, has has really shown. I don't think any character is the same as they were in one as they are now in three. No, um, not which at all. Is, which is, you know, what you would expect over a trilogy, but doesn't always happen, you know? Um, not naming names, Star Wars. But, um, <laughs> um, but I think, obviously, we've other themes going on we still got the um what was i guess the crux of the story which was the um peter quill and gamora storyline which for my benefit i'm glad they didn't do like a because i thought are they going to do like a memory wipe and she's just going to suddenly you know click and be back in it with him i feel like the way it was left is kind of how i'd want it to be left you know except again acceptance of both sides of yeah, what her, what her life could have been, or what he, her kind of believing what he tells her about what her life was, and him accepting that that's not my life anymore, and I'm going to have a new one. Yeah, I mean, um, them- thematically, it it worked really well, and I think in, I think if like you say, not necessarily a wipe, but if they'd just reconciled and fell in love again, it would have diminished a little bit of original Gamora's impact in the MCU. Mm and basically just made this one the stand-in yeah um while this one's a very much their own person and the hopeless romantic in me would have liked them to have reconciled and got back together again thematically for the film 
and I guess the franchise on as a whole, it actually works better that they didn't reconcile. And, you know, they both came to accept each other in their own way. And, you know, Gamora's found her new family with the Ravagers. Mm-hmm. And Star-Lord has found his surrogate family with the Guardians, but then obviously moves on, which I don't want to touch on now. I guess we'll go on toward the, the end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Star-Lord has some great uh, development as well. And I think some of the criticisms of Chris Pratt in this have been a bit harsh as well. Because they kind of say that, from what I've read, he's sort of phoning it in and doesn't seem as interested, which I don't really, I didn't really register. I felt that all the emotional, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Weight hit with him, and mm-hmm. I felt that, if anything, I think the tone of the film was so much darker that it wasn't so much not interest. It it was it was less, just less jolly. You know, they weren't able to be as silly and as carefree because there was some, they had shit to do. You know, yeah. and everything was on the clock in this film. You know, I, I I couldn't say sort of the time scale, but it must have been a few hours for this whole film to have transpired. Yeah, exactly. I I would point to the moment where you you believe Rocket has died. And, yeah, and his he has he has a, a a whale of his own, you know. And, yeah, you know. And I look at that, and go, I I felt it. I felt it right in my chest when yeah, he, when yeah. he did when he screamed like that because I was. Again, that was a, another point where my heart just split in two, and uh, the, the waterworks came out. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't agree with the idea that Chris Pratt's phoning it in. You know, no. regardless of what your opinions are of Chris Pratt outside of, you know, films and whatnot, um, I would, I would maybe make a case for in the Christmas special that was, yeah. that was the case. But you know, he's not very much in it, so. You know, he's not got a lot of runway to go with, but yeah, I no, I, I, I think, I think there isn't a bad performance in this. I think everyone is great. Gamora, I think everyone I, was brilliant. Gamora yeah. is the eye rolling, uh, unwilling member yeah. of the Guardians. It, it was an interesting dynamic change between Gamora and um, Nebula. Yes, it, it felt like they very much switched roles. Like Gamora became Nebula in Volume Two. You know, kind of, kind of needing to be there, but not really wanting to be there, and mm-hmm. sort of on the outskirts. And then Nebula really stepping up to the plate and being the mum for the group. Yeah, you know, her in the opening scene, fantastic choice of song as well, "Creep" by Radiohead. Yeah. That really sort of set the opening tone. And I saw an interesting um, Reddit post of all things today, actually, where thematically in the movies you've got a tonal shift in the the opening and starting songs so in the first two you open with a really sort of jolly song yep. and it ends with a more sort of somber mo- note mm-hmm. whilst it's the reverse of this so you start yes. with an opening really somber music and then you've got an absolute banger of Florence and the Machine dog days are over Big at the end Florence and the Machine love oh, that, that is song. such a good song there's a very Great. very nice video of uh, or a thing online of Florence and the Machine watching reacting Guardians, to that I've seen that yeah it's so good cuz Florence and Mich- Florence Welch amazing uh, singer doesn't get enough credit in my opinion yeah. um and it's just fantastic and it was really good to hear that song uh, yeah so yeah but you're right the 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 opening scene with nebula um obviously adam warlock turns up on the hunt for rocket to bring yeah. back to the high missionary that, that set the tone in they're not mess- messing around you know yeah exactly anyone is vulnerable anyone can get seriously hurt in this film Yes, exactly, and they, they they tell you that right from the off. The Creep by Radiohead, a song I have a love hate relationship for, but when used <laughs> when used 
like in such a manner as that it really you're right set the tone immediately to go this isn't going to be like the other two because you know you don't get come and get your love and mr blue sky you know (laughs) you get creep by radiohead which you know is a sure indicator that this film's taking a tonal shift um but and and obviously rocket's kind of moping around as well yeah and then you've got quill who's really you know, drunk off his face, you know, yeah, which sad. is again, another quite adult theme in a kid's film. Yeah. He's, he's absolutely, he's absolutely hammered. And then yeah, he's just absolutely smashed off his face. So, and then obviously the impact of Adam Warlock coming, wrecking the joint. Nebula is the one who steps up. She's clearly the leader of this group, de facto leader when yeah. Quill's quote unquote absence and steps up and basically is the one to take charge. Yeah. And you're right. She's come completely full circle and swap places, not only swap places with Gamora, but accepted a family and has accepted yeah. herself um she's still very rough around the edges you yeah. know as she will be but and credit to karen gellin plays it fantastically yeah really stand like another standout like if there's ever a, a cast that elevate and stand out amongst the rest of the mcu it's been the guardians the, ca- the cast is great obviously um i think everyone in the main cast and you're right the guardians uh cast has i think been one of the strongest uh for the mcu and those characters i guess are probably some of the most beloved characters even including the main six if you want to call them that yeah. from the from the beginning you know obviously we loved tony star we love steve rogers but you know ever, i think there's something about when the first guardians came out and no one knew, no one really knew in the grand scheme about the guardians you know i know we always said about iron man not being tier one at the time and none of them were but guardians yeah, but... was not even tier two three four five yeah. you know i i had a i had a couple of stories of the guardians but yeah. they were tertiary characters in a in a great scheme of yeah. numbers I, of different color palette superheroes yeah. i had fleeting knowledge of them as well yeah but literally like literally from the first minute come and get your love <laughs> i was just like okay we're getting something different yeah. here and i was like i'm in <laughs> i was in from the minute and then it only got better from there and i think for me guardians probably quite happy to say is up there with my favorite if not my favorite films in the mcu i'd um, say now with volume three that this is probably my favorite trilogy yeah i was going to ask this question because obviously you've got the captain america trilogy the iron man trilogy thor's got four uh, if we're going to count love and thunder but let's yeah let's not um but um you know yeah best trilogy in the mcu yeah i, th- I think it's it's neck and neck in which is the best film like winter soldiers up there but so mm-hmm. too I don't know where I rank three because it's so good. Well, I mean, we'll, well, we'll get to know. I, we'll get to a ranking later yeah. on. I'll, I'll give you time to mull that over. But I, but I'd say First Avenger kind of brings down the Captain America ones a wee bit. This is true, uh, but you know, early nascent uh, Marvel. So you know, yeah, of course, it's finding its feet. It's not as bad as the as some. You know, you know, we've no. had uh, we've had worse films in the MCU, but most right. definitely, definitely finding its feet. Um, just to, I guess, round off our discussion on the cast, we've also got some new faces. We've got Will Poulter as Adam Warlock, who I think was really good. Um, yes, yeah, he, he was He delivered very funny. his lines really well. I love Will Poulter. He's, uh, you don't see, I don't see him in a lot of stuff. 
but he's he's very good. And um, he delivers when he's in them, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's his comedic timing's spot on, you know, and, yeah. and also and also he looks the part as well. He is jacked, you know. Yes, he is, yes he's, he is. He's, he's doing all right. Um, but I, I guess I would have liked to see a bit more Adam Warlock, but at the same time, I'm happy that they give as much time to the Guardian send off as they yeah. could because obviously Adam Warlock's going to come back. We'll get into his relationship his future relationship potentially with the new guardians later, but yeah, I mean, Adam Warlock was fun, you know, but I'm excited to see what he'll bring later. I think it was a, it was a good payoff to that um, sort of would be build up in volume two. And it, it gave the sort of the closure to the sovereign uh, species, the gold characters from volume two. And it gave, um, what was her name? The the well, his mother, but uh, Elizabeth Debicki's character. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what her character's name was. The the Sovereign Queen or something along Aisha, those lines. Aisha. Aisha, yeah. So it gave her some conclusion um, in quite a surprising way, actually. And uh, yes, yeah, I think I think just a, th- this one very much. It felt like a conclusion. You know, a lot of the threads that had been sort of dangled were cut and uh had their their day in the sun i thought adam warlock was a nice payoff and i i think he's going to be a potentially interesting uh character moving forward in the mcu mm-hmm. as long as he's executed well because he could end up just becoming a bit one note yes yes it's true um i think i think getting someone in like will porter really helps try and balance that and not allow yeah. it because he can do like we said he can do the comedy he can do the action he can do the serious stuff um and it, someone like adam warlock who's obviously a very important character uh in the marvel universe outside of the films uh needs to be thought out carefully um, yes. so my my only trepidation or concern is how who takes the reins of a char- that kind of character going forward? Because obviously James Gunn has said he's done, basically. Yeah. Um, he's literally jumped ship, isn't he? He's literally, I mean, the future's looking really good for the DCU. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, who's going to take on that kind of character and kind of drive him forward as much as you'd want him to? Because yeah. while this film is good and it's, a, I guess, a return to form for an MCU film, then yeah. there's still issues within the MCU we can't ignore and they're not going oh, yeah. away. So how do they build on that? How do they use what they've got to kind of push that forward and not ruin it, essentially? Yeah. Well, I think what was quite smart of James Gunn and good for the MCU was for a wider MCU is they allowed this to be relatively contained to the storyline. Yeah. You know, there wasn't global or galactic consequences of the i mean there were in the theory of what the high evolutionary high evolutionary was trying to do overall mm-hmm. you know there was technically a whole world genocide that yeah. took place which was really surprising yes um and really dark particularly for that poor little bat family that just wanted some I blue know. soda i know you know but whilst that wasn't the overall like whilst those events took place that wasn't the overall central theme or the the central plot plot point it was really just the family trying to rescue rocket yes and that it was kind of what we've said before where they need to minimize the stakes a bit 
they need to bring it down to something more contained. Something so less can... universe de- destroying. Exactly. Less gal- like multiverses of madness, less infinity stones, more the people, those characters that are involved. So the characters can do exactly what they did in this movie, develop, evolve, and you know pull on your heartstrings when they need to. Exactly, exactly. And I think when you've got something that's, you know, let's look at Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, um, when you've got something that is world destroying as a stake, you know, you can't have in the back of your head like, well, you're not gonna because you keep making these films. So if there's no world, what are you going to do? So I'm kind of, but I could believe Rocky could die. You know, if you put that in front of me, I'm going to get worried and I'm going to start panicking, you know, from an emotional point of view. Yeah. But, well, I, there was lots of scenes in this where I thought, oh, this is when that character dies. Yes. There were so many, particularly Drax, he had a fair few fake outs, but there were a lot of fake outs in this where I thought, oh God, this is this is it yeah. for them. The moment when Drax got shot, I thought, oh my God, they've done it and they've yeah, I was completely unexpecting it, and I thought that was it. And because the yeah. way Mantis reacts and the way the scene was set, I was like, "Oh my god, that's it, that's yeah. it." And then, then, the same with Nebula as well. So shortly afterwards, she got shot, and I was like, oh, "Okay, shit, they're doing both of them now, right here." Yeah, and then because because obviously we know Dave Bautista's done with Drax, he's, he's yeah. said as such. So I was like, "This is how they do it." I was just keep putting two and two together in my head. I'm like, "This is how they do it. This is how yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is how they spur them on." Because obviously, there's always that moment where they're spurred on by uh, a close character's death. Um, yeah. And this was it. But um, we, we all called it wrong because we all thought someone would die and no one did. So. Yeah. And I, I think, to be honest, that would have... I think um, Kate and I were talking about this and I think realistically, it's real In the overall film, I think it, there would have been nothing worse than someone had died at the end of that. It would have been too much. Because exactly, because it would have been too much where by the time you'd got to that payoff, you would have been numb to it because mm. you'd have been like, well, I, there's only so many tears I can shed. And you're in such a emotional state. You'd have been angry at that point. Exactly. Because you'd be like, give us a break. Like, I, I can't I can't emotionally deal with that. Uh, so I, I think the way they ended it was far more impactful as as a as a troop, as a team. And as a family, than just killing them off because you could, because it was the end of the trilogy. I, I think the emotional payoff, and I think it also kind of counters the message of the movie, mm-hmm. um, and I, which is sort of dealing with your trauma. And I think just having one of them die as a result of that just adds more trauma whilst they're trying to deal with another trauma. So I, I feel like it would just make a mess of what they were trying to deliver in this film. So I, I think they ended it the best way they could do. And it, I think it emotionally paid off more. I do. I think letting the Guardians disband and grow a part of their own steam is yeah. a much better message to say, look, we are family. We'll always be family, but we got we our, gotta own do stuff. our own thing. We got to do our yeah. own thing. And I really like the way that scene where they're all standing in circle mirrors the scene the first from the first scene one where they, they all yeah. stand in it. Great. Now we're all standing in a circle. Yeah. Um, where they become the Guardians of the Galaxy um, to where they stop, I guess, being yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it, it builds again on that emotional growth. You know, Mantis is saying, i got to go find out who I am who on I my am. own yeah. with, without you guys. And Drax is like, I'll come with you. It's like, no, that's, that's the point. Right. Yeah. I can't be with you because then I'm not finding out what I am on my own. Mm. Do we think? Yeah. Do we think? Um, obviously, Dave Bautista said he's done. Zoe Saldana's pretty much said she's done. James Gunn said he's done. 
I would like to think maybe in 10 years' time, I'd get to see how they're doing um, to a degree. Yeah. Um, I think they could allude to them. And I think if anyone, based on the ending, well, not anyone, but any ones, the two of them, would be more likely to come back is Rocket. Yeah. For definite. Because I think Bradley Cooper is easier to bring on than someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, based on the legendary Star-Lord will return. Yes, in our post credit scene. I, I think uh, Chris Pratt is pretty much a shoe in I know he said he's only going to come back for the right story, but, you know, I feel Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, you know, if they base it on the comic Secret Wars, Star-Lord was very poignant in that film. It so makes I, the most I, sense for him to be involved in that. Yeah. And if they're going to bring them back, it would make sense to bring them back in the the big franchise films opposed to any individuals. Mm. I'd quite like, like you say, in 10 years, let the Guardians of the Galaxy stew for a while, you know, maybe have them pop up as the the troop that they bring up in the post-credit scenes mm-hmm. uh, now and again, but not have them necessarily have their own film. Yeah. Because um, I, I think that would sort of dilute the effect that these films have had. But definitely bring the certain characters back for the big events. Yes, agree. I think the only thing, the only way I'd like it narratively wise to bring, I wouldn't want the Guardians to come back for, again, a world destruction event necessarily. I would like it to be if, say, Quell or Rocket or Gamora or whoever it was were in trouble and yeah. really up against it, that the Guardians would rally around to save her in, or them in 10 years' time you know, to come back for, you know, one less ride and, uh, you know, kind of have a a nice reunion that doesn't doesn't get weighed down. And this is part of the reason this film, I guess, does well, and we've already said it, is it doesn't get weighed down with the baggage of everything else. Yeah. Because that's what's wrong with Marvel at the minute is it's got so much behind it that it needs to keep up that it's not got it. the the rest doesn't have enough room to breathe and this film basically yeah. just goes ah fuck all that we're gonna just well acknowledge yeah. it but really we don't care you know and i think that's what's good about it and i'd like yeah it was just the guardian universe yeah, that they and i want on, really. that going forward i'd happily yeah. watch films with these guys on their own and not worry about the rest of the stuff you yeah know? i i think 100 percent. yeah and i i think that the wider MCU can learn a, a great message mm. from, or a great lesson rather, from this, this, this trilogy. Agreed, agreed. Um, so before we get into our standout moments and our, I guess, our overall ratings, let's talk about those post-credit scenes. Um, so obviously, first things first, the 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 we have the the new Guardians of the Galaxy group, which yeah. is formed. So we have the likes of uh, Adam Warlock now in there. We've got Nebula, um, Rockets in there. Um, Craglin, who I'm really glad he got to master the uh, the arrow. Yeah, brilliant yeah. moment, love that. Um, I was there's all my standout moments, which we'll talk about in a minute. But obviously, there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy group. What that means for the future of the MCU or them, we don't know. Um, obviously, things sometimes get set up in the MCU that take a while to come to fruition or just don't bother at all. So yeah, whether anything will happen remains to be seen. But you know, nice little bit nice group to kind of get excited about if there is going to be something there right yeah and another evolution of group that 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 boy just gets chunkier and chunkier oh, boulder group yeah yeah 
epic. I, I think Groot had some stat well, standout moments in the whole film. You know, he has some epic scenes. Yeah. But um it's it's interesting having Craglin as as a core member of the, the Guardians at the end, particularly as James Gunn's leaving. It's almost like I'm leaving my brother some work behind just in case yeah. I don't have a role. Yeah, for yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Because so, I, uh, I love Sean Gunn in that role. He's great. He's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. That that little harken back with Yondu was so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, that, oh, the, when he turned, I was like, oh, God, stop it. Just stop yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah. It's but I, much. Yeah, but I, I think... Yeah, I think we we I think we're on the same page here with regards to how we'd like the Guardians to return, if at all. Because I, I kind of feel that the ending here was the perfect Guardians of the Galaxy ending. Yes, that I would be very happy if they just left these characters alone mm. and have everything that they've done before, and maybe bring back one or two of them as and when it naturally makes sense in the in in the franchise. But I, I don't feel the need to have, you know, the galaxy's a big place. The universe is a big place. These guys could be off gallivanting around wherever, away from the events of whatever the MCU were going on. Like, you know, whatever Kang Dynasty is happening. I leave these, I feel like we're, we're in a place now where we can leave these characters alone. Yeah, I think it's, it's similar to what we were talking about when we were talking about John Wick. You know, there is... Obviously, there's a thirst for more John Wick. There's a thirst for more yeah. Guardians. It's like yeah. sometimes you just need to know when to let go and leave yeah. it be. I think as much as we love these films and we want to, you know, we love spending time with these characters, you then end up sullying things, yeah. you know. And it's Toy it's, Story 4, for example. Well, um, exactly. And I mean, the MCU as it's currently sitting, yeah. you know, this, this is a rarity that we're talking positively and you know james gunn Take has stewarded this <laughs> exactly james gunn has stewarded this into a positive direction but the ydmcu it's a clear testament that sometimes more is less yeah but it's like with when, thor 4 yeah. we, we could have just done away with that and we would have been richer for it yeah and it's like when they say oh maybe you know chris evans will be back for some kind of captain reference she's like no he had his send-off as yeah, much as end game was a great send-off as for much him. as he's great and i love him as captain america and he'll always be captain america to me you can't just keep bringing them back. This isn't Fast and Furious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I agree. I think as much as I love the Marvel, the, the, the Guardians, and I would love to see them again, part of me also knows that it's time to let go. And yeah. this is probably as best an ending as I could hope for, or as we could hope for. So, yeah, I hope they take heed. I hope Kevin Feige, I know you're listening, <laughs> take heed. <laughs> but, um, we also have our second post-credit scene, which very short. Um, obviously, at the end of the film, Peter goes back to Earth to reunite with his family that he left when he was a his child. Grandpa. His grandpa, and it's a very emotional, touching moment. I don't think it's yeah. what Quill expects upon arrival, but it's clear that you know he's been missed, and it's really nice to see that family dynamic again. And then the post-credit yeah. scene. Just a very short, funny thing where he's just eating cereal, yeah, reading the paper, and um, talking about a guy next door cutting his lawn, who I'm guessing alludes to a character or character we maybe know and just hasn't really revealed itself yet, rather than maybe. just a throwaway comment. My brain was ticking over to see who that would actually be, but um, <laughs> I couldn't think. Um, 
Could be Kang. Could be Kang. You know, there's many variations of a movie. There's one who doesn't cut his grass. Um, exactly. But you know, the the but the kicker, the obviously important part is is the vanity card right at the end that says the legendary Star Lord will return. Yeah. Which they only really say if they mean it. You know. Yeah. So yeah. that's a big exactly. that's a big thing. So that means that Chris Pratt, aka Star Lord, aka Peter Quill. We'll probably be back at some point. He's, he's got to be back in Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. I, I, it, I'm i calling it here. It's got to be one of those. It seems to be that way. Yes. I would. Agree. I, I think Secret Wars, having read it and owning it, he's got... I mean, it's not a huge part, but he's definitely poignant in the story. And I, I think, if nothing else, it would give him an opportunity to make up for the fact, and I really like that they address it. He's fuck up in Endgame, uh, Infinity War, with regards to Thanos. Yes. You know, allow, having his emotional outburst that cost half the universe. Yeah, um, the, the whole, their, that their whole scene in the left was great. Yeah, that was brilliant. I mean, I know it was in the trailer, but it, it's still delivered in the film. Yeah, it was padded out a bit in the film as well. There was more to it. and uh, yeah. But yeah, that was a great scene. Really, that's how you deliver exposition in a very effective, quick, but funny way. Um, Love that. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of that scene in Dungeons & Dragons where Chris uh, Pine was doing his little sort of previous Spiel storytelling. Yeah. yeah, At the beginning, sorry, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So I guess, obviously, we're going to stand out moments now. Star-Lord will be back. We probably we could, I wouldn't put, well, I probably would put money on the fact it's going to be in Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty because it makes sense. The story's already there. Yeah, would would be the easiest way, but um, they might embellish his role a bit. He, Chris Pratt, again, whatever you think of him, is a big movie star. So to not utilize him as most as they could would, you know, be a bit weird. But um, yeah, so we'll see. But hopefully, um, we'll find out very soon. But our standout moments of this film, um, I think for me, what I want to talk about first is the 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 f bomb which yeah yeah um i felt was well used they get one and i feel like they used it probably as well as they did was it necessary probably not but no. you know got a chocolate of some of the the two eight-year-olds who were sitting next to me <laughs> um um like i say i was like okay well you know i get why you did it but did you need it maybe not no well, yeah i i thought it was going to be at an emotional point you know where it's like it was so emotionally high stakes that the only thing they could think to say was fuck yeah you know but it was such a throwaway moment that really didn't need to be in it but it was still funny yeah if he says something like i don't know get your hands off my fucking friend or something and he shot yeah. you know like a proper 80s movie kiss offline kind of yeah style. that yeah it, it did seem a bit like oh okay well that didn't need to be done it, but was, it, was, it wasn't it the was funniest still funny. f-bomb yeah. i've ever heard but it was still funny you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of there's a few shits and dicks and you know all kinds of yeah, words in here that, but, you know yeah. i was like this is a i don't i don't know the rules necessarily of a 12a i know they get away with a certain number of certain words but it was more than i expected yeah, well, I mean, James, James Gunn always pushes that. I mean, his his films have always been the crudest of the MCU. True, and you know, there's 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 definitely a lot of adult humor throughout his films or the Guardians yeah. films, but this this seemed to amp it up a bit because he's clearly gone, fuck it, it's my last one. I'm going to do it. So, you know, fair enough. I don't blame him. Um, but I did like um, obviously some of the use of music in here is good. I don't yeah. think um, 
I, I liked all the songs. I don't think they're as impactful as maybe the other two. Obviously, Creep no. by Radiohead we spoke about, which is very good at setting the tone. But I think a lot of the other films are just, you know, fun songs to have, but don't really impact yeah. the film in any way. But there are some standouts. Obviously, we've got, we spoke about Dog Days Are Over, which is a fantastic yeah. one and a really, I guess, uplifting film to kind of tell you that everyone's going to be okay. I know you've had a rough ride, but yeah, it's going to be okay. And it's a fantastic film. The dancing, all that kind of stuff really ends it on an emotional, I don't want to say high, but kind of brings you back up to go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it shows that the, the team are okay. Yes, you know, exactly. Th- they're all moving on, but and they're then, happy about it in their yeah. own ways. So yeah. it kind of means that you, you know, whilst you're still an emotional wreck, at least you can leave behind your characters in a good place. And you're just like, okay, fine. Yeah. I've still got to deal with this emotional baggage that I'm carrying right now, but at least my guys are okay. They're, they're good for now. They're having a good time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and like you said, that's the inverse of how we felt with Guardians before, obviously. With, yeah. uh, you know, the first film, first two films starting lightly and ending, I guess, on a, more somber note um this is the inverse and it needed that it needed that moment of everest bringing up levity wise yeah so i'm really glad it had that the other song standout song for me was the no sleep till brooklyn action sequence yes and that that was such a good action <laughs> that scene. was so well shot yeah yeah, I yeah loved that it. was that was really. I good. love that song, Beastie Boys. Love about the Beastie Boys. Um, <laughs> I remember playing that song on Rock Band years ago. And oh god, yeah, yeah, damn Rock Band, what a great game! What a game! Oh, wish they'd bring that back. Um, but yeah, that that action sequence was fantastic. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of action in the MCU, and I guess it kind of gets tiresome after a while when you see superpowered beings beating each other into buildings and mass yeah. destruction you know the Zack snyder method as i call it um <laughs> but this was this was a very choreographed well shot thought out scene with a lot of cool moments a lot of yeah near misses the bit where nebula's head gets knocked back but she still like crunches it back and stuff yeah uh and the the little um tags that quill throws on the guys and yes. then they go out of shot and come back into shot and it's, it's just it's really and well even thought out group- doing the the move they did in the first one but on like steroids where yeah. he like per like perforates a whole bunch of them and then just smashes them into the walls yeah but this time he's he's putting it through like barbs through them and smashing them into the walls smashing them into gunfire yeah, yeah it was it was it was a love letter to all the, the previous movies. Groot has some good moments. The moment where he yeah. uh, pulls out all the guns from his roots. And he's yes, just got like, that was awesome. Like, he's like an octopus with guns. It's just yeah. amazing. And then, uh, obviously, he speaks. Yeah. He well, actually... uh, that, that, that's, I think oh, there's does a... He? Well, retroactively, I've, again, read up on that. And it's because there's kind of a hot... Because that was a moment where you're like, oh, that kind of took me out. Were they doing that for a laugh? But I think from what James Gunn has retroactively said is that the idea was that at the end of the film, they were all say, because they'd said about how everyone, Gamora was, you only understood it after you sort of have spent time with him. And I think the idea was that at that point, we as the viewer, I love that, had evolved and developed with the characters that at that point we were at the point where we could understand what he was saying. Yeah. I love that. So we were part of the guardians of the galaxy. Even if it's not true, that's what I, that's what I choose to believe. Yeah. 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 I, I think that has more emotional weight than just a throwaway gag with him just being, I love you guys. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think and James Gunn's the kind of filmmaker who would have thought of that. So I'm inclined to believe that's true. And if he said yeah. it, I'm happy to take his word for it. So um yeah. Any other really standout moments for you? I mean I I guess the the catharsis of how he dealt with the high evolutionary. Yes. You know, the whole team, they had their their last it kind of tails off the the excellently choreographed fight scene in the hallway. Mm. I, I don't know what it is about hallways. Hallways just seem to be just the best place for fights. Oh yeah. Um the, but do you ever watch the obviously you've seen Daredevil TV series, you know the fight yeah. in the hallway downstairs. I mean hallways are the one. Hallways yeah. are the way to and go. two of the best Star Wars choreographed scenes in the last few years is Darth Vader in Rogue One and Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian scenes too. Yeah. Um but the 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 sort of the catharsis that Rocket finally gets to beat the high evolutionary and whilst he doesn't directly kills him, he definitely is gonna die from the blowing up of the space station mm-hmm. um or the spaceship. Um I think seeing nowhere sort of rip its way out of the 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 sort of space pentagram or whatever the hell those sort of space portals are yeah it's quite cool yeah uh and the four the massive four pronged cannon um <laughs> yeah it just kept getting bigger and bigger. it just kept going and going and going i mean there were so many standout scenes because just the the emotional scenes with rocket young rocket and then the actually i think my favorite scene is where we were talking about with peter quill is you think so the fake out death that hits the most is where you think rocket has died yeah the 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 whole plot was trying to find the MacGuffin that would allow rocket to have the treatment to save him because he'd got injured to the point of death in their initial altercation with adam warlock and the it it doesn't seem to be working quick enough and rocket is the clock's ticking he's actively dying and Peter Quill gives out this death cry in grief because Rocket seemingly seems to um, fall victim to his injuries and dies. But you've got this horrific emotional callback to the to the Batch eighty nine Teeth's um, floor, floor and Lila and Lila sort of announcing to Rocket that you were the the main character all along. Yeah, this has been your story from the beginning. You just didn't know it yet that hitting really hard and then peter quill not giving up brings him back and it's just he comes back and it there's no big dialogue or anything it's just peter grabs him hugs him and everyone is just emotionally relieved group comes in for the extra hug and rocket doesn't try and do any quips or anything like that. he just leans into that hug yeah and that i was just like oh man that was the payoff yeah that felt good that was the that payoff. now now i feel better and it, it that like I said, that was the payoff to all this grief, and it all sort of surmounts. And I was just in such an emotional wreck at that point. Everything else, well, I'm, I'm uh, glad it was action scenes because it needed a bit of time to sort of gestate on that emotion. And I think that really was the big standout. I think that the emotion on this really delivered. Yes, it really did. It's, um, I guess that brings us on to, I guess, the final question I'm going to ask you: How would you rate this film? Oh, it was. Do we do broadly anymore? Like, I don't know if you heard the Return of the Jedi, but <laughs> Ian introduced the the alphabet grading system as well, ABCs. Um, I thought this was broadly great. Yes, I agree. Um, I 
Which is not still, something we said for a long time for the MCU. No, and it's it's so good to talk about a Marvel film and feel positive about it. Yes. Um, because like we've said before, we always want to go in loving these films. It just happens to be going the other way. Um, and this is really exciting me for the upcoming DC universe. Yeah. I think I'm really hopeful for what James Gunn's de- going to deliver. I think if he's allowed to create and cultivate a universe of his own, with some, some, frankly, some of the most iconic uh, superheroes of all time, who've got so much character um, to sort of play with. I, th- I think there's, we're really in a good sort of point with that. But um, I think even after however long we've been talking, I still don't know where I want to place this in the three. I would say, as a trilogy, this is my favorite trilogy and favorite collection of films in the MCU. Now that it's come to a whole, like, mm. sort of full circle, yeah, I, I think they really. That. They really complement each other and where there are weaknesses in maybe a few, I don't really know if there's many plot holes, but if there's a plot hole here and there and there's a few jokes that may not land quite as heavy, the heart and the, the characters and the development carry that away. And it, it, I think it really smooths over any bumps uh, that you might have in the journey. And I, I think these are some of the three, the highest caliber of the MCU, in my opinion. And it may be that this is the freshest, but this is certainly the most raw. And I think as a complete film and a complete trilogy, I think they're really complimentary. I, I, I can't say more. I think they're brilliant. Well, that was a superbly eloquent and beautiful summation, Toby. I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to ruin it by saying anything else. All I'm going to say is I agree. Broadly great. <laughs> Love as a trilogy, it's I think it's the best in the MCU. And it just it, it rocked me into my core. Yeah. And I, I was not ready, but Yeah. It, I'm a I'm glad this has kind of been a therapy session has, in a way. It really has. And I'm I'm glad more so even for you being so fresh to yeah, this. I've had time to This was only yesterday for gestate me, so. on it. So yeah, I think I'll be interested to see how I feel in a, in a week's time, and yeah. you know, revisiting this with my wife, who will who's yet to see it, will be interesting. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, love it. I don't. I know I asked you to do a ranking, but I'm not going to because I don't think that's fair. I think. Can you? Uh, I I think it would be unfair. I think to do that. <laughs> I think to do that would be unfair to myself <laughs> and um <laughs> and kind of i think the whole point is it's a it's a three-part story yeah and it's volume you can't one, have two, three isn't it one without the other two so yeah what i would say is if you ever plan to watch all three in a row bear in mind it's a, it's a, it's a rough ride <laughs> towards the end yeah. but, um but it it was it was a fantastic film james gunn's done really well for three films to bring a really whole complete narrative with fully developed characters and give us some laughs and tears and stuff along the way as i said earlier the future is looking really bright for the dcu so good for them um marvel need another james gunn in their arsenal i think to be honest yeah um but i think this is this has shown that They they messed up with him. Yeah, I wonder if Kevin Feige's sitting there going, "Oh fuck, what the hell?" Well, <laughs> you know, we have faith. We want to see Marvel do well. We want to see DC do well. We want to see everything yeah. do well. We don't want to watch 
films we don't enjoy. We want to enjoy no. everything. So we will be back to talk about all those uh, future films, both in the MCU and the DCU. Um, but unfortunately, mm. that's all the time we have this week. Um, we've been talking nearly an hour and a half. You know, we could yeah. go on much longer. Really do me, really do me well in terms of uh, processing <laughs> this. But unfortunately, we must call it a day there. We should just um, dub this this episode "Catharsis: Catharsis. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yes. Three. But yes, that's unfortunately all the time we have. Thank you, Toby, for <laughs> going through this with me and being my emotional support. I really Thank appreciate you. it. If I know what to talk to for a whole 24 <laughs> hours, it's literally been 24 hours to the, to the almost to the minute that I came out of the cinema. So, you know. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm I, very yeah. thankful for you. Thank you. For that and then obviously you're welcome of course thank you to you wonderful listeners we hope this has been as helpful for you in processing as it has been for us we really appreciate you listening to us every week uh tuning in for us chatting about all kinds of nonsense from marvel to dc star wars you know as we did with returning the jedi recently in our 40th anniversary uh celebration of that you know we've got um part two of our discussion for uh the dark knight returns animated movie coming up toby which we need to finish yep, yep. uh and also we've got um our upcoming flash episode which will be coming very soon probably the day yeah. after the film comes out we are I'm very excited about we that are now. actually going to meet up in person and do this one so i've got to worry about logistics and technical aspects of that but <laughs> other than that i'm really looking forward to it um so please look forward to that if you have enjoyed the episode obviously please share tell a tell a friend like subscribe review all those nice things we really appreciate it but until then until next time it's goodbye from me and goodbye from toby Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.